Hello, this is episode 282 and in it, I'm going to talk about getting a second opinion on your design and whether you should get a second opinion and you know how to make those decisions. I'm going to share the main reasons that I see homeowners seek out second opinions and the mistakes to avoid in sourcing second opinions on your home design and project. And I'm also going to share some quick tips to help you audit your home design yourself. This is going to be really helpful if you've been trying to decide whether you need a second opinion on your home design or perhaps something else that's happening in your project or if getting a second opinion is going to be a useful thing to access at some point in your project journey. Now, remember, if you'd like a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that I talk about, you can do that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 282. That's the numbers 282. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Now, when I began Undercover Architect way back in the middle of 2014, I had a range of design services that I offered online and uh, remotely. I worked with clients remotely. Now, these design services, they ranged from designing a new home or designing a renovation and extension for clients through to a service that I called Fix a Floor Plan. And this specific service was where a client had had a design done by someone else and they wanted help with changing it or improving it. And so I would take their existing design and I would design alternatives to that existing floor plan that didn't change the external wall positions but would reconfigure how the internal plan was working to make it more efficient, more functional and to feel better overall. And those changes, they could be small tweaks right through to, you know, much more considerable changes. 
Now, these clients, they then take those designs back to their team to continue the process or they would find new teams to move forward with on their project. I didn't enforce copyright, so they were free to do with the designs what they wished. However, because the the way that I did the designs was fairly resolved, it was designed with constructability in mind, it also suited the client and the site. We went through a lot of work to kind of establish and get all of that background information. There's actually loads of those projects out there that were complete that are now completed as built and finished homes fairly unchanged from those design concepts that I did for them. Now, not all designers, I you know, really enjoy having a client that sought a second opinion from another professional. And to be honest, you know, that was why some clients would go somewhere else after they worked with me so that they could just have a fresh start with someone else and use the design that I'd done for them as their launch pad. I even had clients who they would go back to their original designer, they would redraw my drawings as as their own sketches, or they would navigate the changes that they needed their designer to make through providing feedback and comments and review in the way that they worked with their team. They would keep my involvement a complete secret and they would just pretend that it was their own personal feedback about the design because they were worried about offending their designer or their designer being angry that they'd gone outside their relationship and got another opinion. And they thought it would be gentler if it was presented as their own feedback. Now, I always say that Undercover Architect is your secret ally. In this case, I was really secret. I've also had loads of Undercover Architect community members who got in touch with me because they wanted to get a second opinion from me. And, you know, they'd listen to the podcast or they'd read the blog and felt that I understood kind of, you know, I was like-minded with what they were trying to do with their project. And so they'd then spoken to their design professional about getting a second opinion on their design for a range of reasons. And they'd been talked out of it by their architect or their designer. You know, designers had said to them, it would confuse the process. It would potentially derail things. It would slow things down. It would be too difficult to incorporate. So I always find it interesting to see how homeowners and design professionals handle the idea of getting a second opinion and the resistance that can exist around this idea of seeking one and potentially putting the designer offside or the designer getting annoyed that the homeowner has sought out one. And initially, I'll be honest, it really shocked me that there would be this reaction. And I think that's because you know, collaboration and input from other design professionals has always been such a big part of the design process that I've experienced in the places that I've worked. You know, one place that I worked did this in a really big way. That was Mervac Design. It was, and Mervac Design was the in-house architectural business of Mervac, which at the time that I was working there was the largest property developer in Australia. And Mervac Design was the largest architectural practice in Australia as well. And I started working at Mervac Design in Queensland when I was about 29 years old. And I was there for seven years working as project architect in their senior design team. So really formative time in my career. And Mervac had a super rigorous design review process. So I got very used to, you know, sharing my design with others and collaborating in its improvement, taking on feedback and input from others. Every week during the project, we would hold a design meeting where we as the architects, we had to present to the full project team. And that included representatives from development, sales and marketing, estimating, construction and customer relations. And Everyone got to put their input into the design outcome based on their area of expertise. And then as the design would progress through different stages, every project also had to go to state product reviews where you would present then to other project teams in the business and you get their input. And then we also had to participate in national product reviews at particular milestones where project teams from all Mervac state offices would meet at 
at a particular office and uh, everyone in attendance would, would then provide feedback and input on the design as it was being presented at that milestone. Now, at the same time, Mervac also had a goal that one in five sales in every development would be to someone who had previously bought from Mervac. So that meant that the customer's feedback was constantly sought out and, and that actually informed the design process as well. It generally came via customer relations input into the design process during our design meetings. Now, that may seem like a cast of thousands informing the design process and, you know, sometimes it was hard to juggle and incorporate all of the ideas and the feedback. However, the guiding force in all of it was that everyone operated from the same agenda and that was this, that the project is king or, or queen, if you like to put it that way. So what this meant is that everything was about serving the project and the goals and the criteria that really underpinned that were set as part of the positioning, the goals and the vision for each project. It didn't come down to anyone's individual wishes or wants. The focus was always on the best outcome for the project and that was ultimately the best outcome for the end occupant or the owner of the project and the business overall. Now, in an individual project for a homeowner, I believe that it's you as the client and the owner of the future home that establishes your vision as the priority and the driving force. And then the team that you'll, you pull together, they're adding their expertise to help you deliver that vision as well as, you know, they're guiding and informing and they're filling the gaps on your vision to enable it to become a reality. However, somewhere in there, I know that homeowners can treat their designer as a creative person in an under, you know, who's undertaking an art artistic endeavor. And instead of client and consultant, there can be a mindset of patron and artist that sometimes exists when working with certain design professionals. So then feedback and seeking and seeking second opinions can be interpreted as offending the artistic vision of the artist. Now, I personally do not subscribe to this thinking. Yes, I believe any designer is ideally super creative. You know, that's part of doing great work in a creative field such as architecture and design. But this idea of patron and artist, it's so old fashioned and outdated and I don't believe it's fruitful for anyone involved. My experience in working in an environment where all of this collaboration and review was just part of the process was that it actually improved the design and it improved the outcome for the project. However, I will add a caveat here, okay? It is because the feedback and review was being given by people who had expertise and experience, who understood the goals of the project and what we were seeking to achieve, and who were operating from the shared agenda of the project being king. So in a minute, I'm going to dive more into why this matters when you're seeking a second opinion, when I share some of the mistakes that I see people experiencing. Now, I no longer provide these one-to-one -one design services inside Undercover Architect. I actually got to the point in the business where I was unable to do both. I was unable to provide one-to-one -one services and help people through my online courses and programs that I started creating at the end of 2014. And at the time, I actually reviewed whether to hire staff and to scale the architectural services side of the business or to stop doing the work altogether and focus on educating homeowners. That that was sort of the decision that I needed to come to. And it, it wasn't an easy decision because I really love working with clients and designing their homes and seeing those designs become real buildings that they then get to live in and they make their own. However, I knew then and I still know now that 
I could and I can have a much more significant impact through educating you more about home design and about how to choose and work with people who are local to you and also craft a fantastic project experience for yourself. So at the time, I actually stopped doing the design services altogether and I now solely focus on Undercover Architects online courses and flagship program Home Method. And then, of course, since then, I've also started Live Life Build, which is another business that I have with my business partner, Dwayne Pierce. Now, inside Home Method, members are still able to purchase upgrades. They can purchase Zoom consultations with me. They can uh, purchase design reviews with me. So even though I'm not designing projects from scratch, it'd still be able to help homeowners in that intimate way with that impartial second opinion and input as they're navigating their project. And then of course, it's me providing one-to-one feedback on their questions inside Home Method Q&A sessions as well. And so, and also inside our Facebook group. So there's still that opportunity to get my personalized help and feedback in your project via Home Method. And as a result, I find I'm regularly providing that impartial second opinion on the experience that homeowners are having and the decisions that they're making as they work with their teams and they bring their home to reality. And some homeowners choose to share that they're getting this second opinion from from somebody and some choose to keep me a complete secret and that is totally up to them. Now, of course, this idea of, of getting a second opinion, it's not an unfamiliar one in many other industries. You know, many will seek second opinions for big financial decisions, for big health decisions. So it is totally reasonable for you to want to do the same thing when you're making big and impactful choices about your future new build or renovation as well. So how do you actually work out whether you you really need a second opinion when you're working through the design of your new home or renovation or you know when you're challenged by something specific on your project and you're just not sure if you're getting the right advice or you're making the best decisions for yourself well i thought i'd share the three main reasons that i've seen as to why people seek out a second opinion on their home design through the experience that i've had and i'll also take you through three mistakes that i see many make in how they go about seeking out that second opinion so that you can know to avoid those and then i've also got some tips for you if you're still unsure whether a second opinion is going to be the right route for you but you want to be able to audit your design in some way shape or form i'm going to i've got some tips for you in that regard so let's first dive into the main reasons for why i see homeowners actually seek out a second opinion about their design so reason number 1 the design hasn't turned out how they hoped it would. They feel that they've been working with a designer who hasn't been exactly the right fit or, you know, the right level of experience and expertise that they ideally would have liked. And so they're just not sure if the design is fully optimised and maximising the potential of their budget and their project. Now, their relationship with the designer may not have started that way. They may have actually been really optimistic about the process and the person that they chose. But as time has gone on, they've discovered that the person that they're working with isn't what or who they initially thought. Or alternatively, they actually know before they've started that they've chosen a design professional who may be less experienced or costs less than the others that they've interviewed. And so as things progressed, they're curious about whether they're getting the best outcome. Uh, They always kind of wonder if they've underdone themselves or if something else is possible with perhaps, you know, a bit more insight and industry experience on board. Now, all in all, these feelings can just translate into the fact that they mean that they're not necessarily trusting the process uh, and they're not trusting the designer fully or they're not trusting themselves to discern whether they're with what they're being presented with is the best outcome for their project. 
And I've found over the years that many will actually have preconceptions about designers that impact who they choose to work with. So I've had people say to me that they didn't want to use an architect because they didn't want anything cutting edge or innovative. They just wanted something simple. So they didn't think that they wanted that level of expertise. So they've gone ahead and chosen a drafts person and then they found that the process hasn't gone very well for them. And they now have a design that they're not happy with and they just can't seem to progress it any further. Now, If one of the things that you're struggling with yourself is about who you should choose to work with, I've actually got a couple of episodes about who to choose and how to work that out when you're first starting out on your journey. So I'll pop those in the resources. I will say this to you though, don't assume that one design professional is going to be more expensive than another. Architects are not always more expensive than building designers. They're not always the most expensive people to work with. It really is about you finding the right designer for you and just not making assumptions about one professional being a particular way. Now, if you feel also that you know what you want, or perhaps you've even got it all drawn up, so you feel like you only need someone to turn your ideas into proper drawings, it's also worth understanding that the floor plan is only one part of the design puzzle that you're going to need to solve in order to make your home a reality. And so I want you you to also understand that I believe every project, it still needs a design leader. So someone who drives the design, who maximizes the design potential and explores what's possible in the design outcome. So if the person that you're hiring can't be that because of their experience or skills, then you are going to need to fill that role of being the design leader. And I find that many don't realize this when they start out. They discover partway through that they're not getting the design outcome they were hoping for. They're struggling with leading the design process themselves. And so they reach out to get a second opinion to try and fill the gap. I find too as well that some can struggle to rationalize the investment in design fees if they don't really understand what's actually involved in designing a new home or renovation. And I think because there's so much accessible information about home design generally available to us, you know, many will feel like it's just about getting a floor plan right. And then if you, you know, once you've got that sorted, you can be ready to choose colors, fixtures and finishes. And, you know, getting a floor plan right can for some just feel like it's about arranging rooms and spaces in the right layout and getting them at the right size. And that, you know, on face value can seem quite straightforward. But the flip side of this is that many will underestimate just what's needed in that design process to really optimize their investment and create a great outcome. And what happens during the design process to also balance budget, consider energy efficiency, satisfy planning and building regulations, incorporate constructability, resolve the building form overall, including volume, light, materials, the relationship with the site, and all of those types of things. And so with all of these scenarios, I found that people get to a point where they're looking at the time that they've spent, they're reviewing where the design is at and things just aren't feeling right. And often they've become stuck or momentum has just completely slowed and they've fallen out of love with the whole process. And they know that they're still about to spend a lot more money building this design. So they want to ensure that they get it right and don't make avoidable avoidable mistakes. And you've probably heard me say it before, it costs the same to build the wall in the right place as it does in the wrong place. And whilst your home is lines on a page, change is relatively cheap. So I do believe that a second opinion at this point, if this is where you are, it's definitely worthwhile. And I've found that most of the time when I've done this service with people, as I've started to explain what's not working with the design and how things can be improved, homeowners have actually known. They've just not had the words to be able to articulate it or they've not been able to communicate it effectively to their design professional. And then once it's actually illustrated to them what the alternative can be, 
things start to fall into place very quickly and they can then figure out the best way through, which may be that they need to work with someone else and figure out a different pathway forward. And even if that is the case, I find that going through this process can provide really powerful clarity. It can bring some positivity back into the process. It can also instill some confidence. It can give you the insights that you need to be able to create that momentum again. Often people who reach out for a second opinion when the design isn't what they had hoped it would be, they actually feel quite lost. They feel stuck and downtrodden by the whole journey. So getting that second opinion at that point, it can turn things around. It can really give that necessary lift and highlight the best pathway forward, which can be a fantastic outcome for you and your project. Now, reason number two as to why people seek out a second opinion is they just want peace of mind. So You know, one of the most common fears I find that any homeowner has when they're building or renovating is that they're going to stuff it up, that they'll get something wrong in the design or they'll overlook including something and they'll consequently experience long-term frustration and regret because do-overs are really hard when it comes to a whole home. They're super expensive as well. And so a second opinion is then that opportunity to get that extra input, that impartial review, just to catch any mistakes, ensure nothing's been overlooked, that there isn't a different perspective and that they're getting it right whilst it's lines on a page. Now, it makes sense. You know, this is a big investment. And if it's your first time, it can be hard to gain certainty if you don't have the tools, the resources or the support you need. And a second opinion can be a really helpful way to acquire that for your project. Then, of course, you can either course correct whilst it's still possible, or you can continue on feeling more confident in the choices that you've made to that point and the design that's being created for you. I've found that those who seek out a second opinion in these kinds of situations, they can be super grateful because they've been underestimating what the cost of that uncertainty has actually been for them. They've not realized just how much it was impacting them to not feel fully confident in their design and that they've had this latent feeling of concern and nerves that they weren't really aware of until someone said to them, look, yep, this design is doing what it needs to, or, hey, no, you just need to fix this and this and this, and then you're going to be good to go. Often people who seek out a second opinion at this point, I find that they've chosen someone great to work with that they actually do have trust in. But because they also know that no single person knows everything and it's such a big investment, they find that it's useful to get that extra insight. Now, if you are just seeking peace of mind by getting a second opinion, then you want to ensure that that second opinion you seek doesn't derail your project. So I'll mention more on that in a minute when I go through the mistakes. So stay tuned for that. Now, reason number three, as to why people seek out a second opinion is they just want perspective. So when you're working on your home design for months and months and months, you can get so stuck in the details of it and add to that you're emotionally attached and that can make it very hard to maintain objectivity. And so it can be really helpful to access a second opinion, particularly when it's done in a way that goes back to the basics. So someone who reviews your brief, they understand more about you and what you're seeking to achieve, and then they provide feedback on the design in that context. When they work from the same foundation that your designer did with the similar input of information from you in what you are asking for and wanting to create, then this second opinion can actually help you gain that helicopter view to see that the design is actually meeting the goals that you have for it. One of the challenges I find with building and renovating is that it involves so many steps. So as you're working on your design, you'll find that one decision leads you down a path that where there can be multiple options and each choice you make has consequences that lead to other choices and consequences. So you can be a long way into the rabbit hole sometimes and lose sight of how you got there at all. 
A second opinion in those instances is really great for assessing if you've ended up in the right place with all of those, you know, turns and changes that you've made, or perhaps you took a wrong turn, you know, at some earlier point purely because you had blinkers on, or perhaps that there's a choice that you could have made that would be more in alignment with your goals that simply hadn't occurred to you and your team because you were just also in it. So now second opinions I find they're not always just about design. So I've found that a lot of the questions I answer inside Home Method Q&As, they can be from members wanting a second opinion on advice that they've received from their consultants or from their builder or research that they've done or even a, you know, a range of non-design related items. Sometimes it can be you know simply just is this normal or should I be expecting something different? And having the opportunity to get feedback from someone who's experienced and impartial assists with simplifying decisions, giving them that perspective, and then being able to quickly sort something out and maintaining momentum in their projects overall. So let me just recap on the three reasons why I find homeowners seek a second opinion for their designs and projects. So the first one was that design isn't working out how they had hoped. The second one is that they're looking for peace of mind. And the third is that they're seeking perspective on their design. So let's now review the three main mistakes that I see people make when they're seeking second opinions. Now, these may seem obvious, but I want to mention them to you so that if you are seeking a second opinion on your project, you can keep these in mind because second opinions, when they're not sought well, they can seriously derail projects and they can be demoralizing to experience. So mistake number one that people make is that they get the second opinion from the wrong place. If you're seeking a second opinion, you ideally want to get it from someone who has the expertise to give it and also ideally has more experience and expertise or at least equal experience and expertise to the person that you're currently working with. The reason that this matters is twofold. So firstly, it means that the second opinion you're seeking actually has some reliability and will further the project, will, you know, will actually advance the project. And secondly, it means that when you potentially take that feedback back to your designer and you're going to be honest about where you got it from, there's more likelihood that they'll actively listen to it. Because where I see projects come unstuck is when people dive into free forums, into the design dilemma section of house, or when they pull out their floor plans at their family barbecue and they get smashed with well-meaning but potentially misleading suggestions. They then take those back to their architect or designer and I've had this experience myself with clients and it can feel like the client is trying to adopt a whole raft of ideas and ending up with this hodgepodge approach, sometimes forgetting how they got to the design outcome that they have and why certain decisions have been made. And so then in my experience, it's been a case of coming back to the brief, to the goals of the project, often which haven't been taken into account by others who are reviewing the design and determining what fits and what doesn't in all of this feedback that they've received. But it can get sticky because, you know, you might be trying to discuss why the mother-in-law's idea to do X, Y and Z won't meet the brief or planning legislation or the budget or just be any good. And there can then be an emotional obligation on the part of the client to consider and incorporate that advice because of where it's come from. And you as the architect, you know, might have decades of experience. You're trying to explain things sufficiently so that they can let go of that emotional obligation and ultimately not end up with something that's going to be problematic in their design. Now, equally, as a design professional whose job it is to work to support the client and realize the vision for their future home, it's also important to discuss and entertain ideas wherever they come from when a client presents them. You know, remember I mentioned before that mantra of the project is king or queen, however you want to view it. 
Just because the idea has come from someone who isn't a design professional doesn't make it less valid. So as an architect, I found that when clients would do this, it was a case of taking in the feedback and input, helping them assess how that feedback and input sat in alignment with their brief and their budget, and also then providing my own viewpoint on whether or not it was going to be viable or a good idea to include. I always found that if I was doing my job in the overall relationship with the client to have, you know, an open, trusting and collaborative way of working together, then we could generally nut these situations out. But, you know, there are clients who will spend countless hours and months doing this with their design professional. And ultimately, it frustrates the process, it frustrates everyone involved, and it makes the working relationship really difficult. So if you, as a client, you're in this situation and you feel like you're making suggestions all the time to your architect or your designer based on the feedback and input of non-professionals, then I think it's worth asking yourself if you actually have the right designer on board. Because the whole reason you hire a designer is for their expertise, experience, training and knowledge. If you wanted your friends and your family to design your home, then you could have got them to do it. So there's something not right in how you've set up your relationship with the designer. If you're constantly bringing them a feedback of all of these external sources, there's something not right. And that could be because they're, the designer's not a good fit or you haven't worked out how to trust them and take on board their guidance. Uh, or you haven't worked out how to trust in your own choice in them to be the right person to help you in your project. Now, this is going to lead me to my next mistake that I see people make when they're seeking out a second opinion. So this sort of goes to the extreme. Mistake number two is when homeowners seek a second opinion, but they're working with a super precious designer who won't entertain the views of others at all. So this can be a problem when someone seeks out a second opinion in this instance. You know, it won't matter who it is, the original designer will take great offence this has occurred and things will go pear-shaped really quickly. You know, the designer will see it as a breach of trust. The designer can act like they've been cheated on. The client no longer feels that they have a voice in their project, can't really offer anything. You know, ideally you want a designer who recognises that collaboration can be effective and really powerful. I mean, they're going to at least need to collaborate with you as their client and with other professionals that you have in the team in order for your project to go well. Any designer who resists collaboration can be challenging to work with. So sometimes their reaction to a second opinion, you know, it can be a good red flag. Now, there are extremes in this and then there's a range of grey in the middle. And as I said before, any relationship that you have with your designer has to have trust in it in order for things to go well. You will need to trust your designer to take on board any of their suggestions. You're also going to need to trust yourself and your ability to make decisions so that the project can keep moving. You getting a second opinion, it isn't necessarily a sign that you've lost trust in the designer. More often than not, I believe it can be a sign that you've lost trust in yourself, in your confidence in your choices, and in your ability to discern and review what you're being presented. A word of warning though, and this may be harsh to hear, when you as the client don't trust yourself and you don't get educated and informed to help guide your decisions and your working relationship with your team, then your doubt can manifest itself in an ability to sign things off, in an inability to make clear decisions, and also in that you'll be regularly changing the goalposts. You'll chop and change, you'll delay providing feedback, and you'll be indecisive about what you're being presented. This will keep you stuck for months, sometimes years in your project. In these situations, there is only so much that any designer can do. You know, if you don't have a lot of trust in them because you feel that you don't know them well enough or you aren't sure that they've really understood you and your wishes, 
but you're not confronting that and you're not discussing it, then that can turn molehills into mountains. And so it all gets a bit icky as they're trying to take you through the process, but they're being second guessed at every term. And you think you're trying to be heard and listened to, but you're not speaking up and you're not sure if you're making the right decisions because you're doubting yourself and them. Or even worse, you're so frustrated with that feeling of mistrust and misunderstanding in the process and working relationship that you actually start bullying your designer and you start throwing your weight around. And that isn't fun for anyone, including you. So this is where your own education comes in super handy because it's going to give you the ability to self-audit how things are going on and then you can lean into the trust that you need to have. Self-trust in this process is super helpful and it comes through self-education. It also means that you're going to be able to spot and respond to the red flags when they crop up and that ultimately means that you can make better choices overall. So I'll talk more about this in a minute when I dive into some of the things you can do to audit your own uh, design. Now, the third mistake that I see people make when they seek a second opinion is when they seek one out from someone who only has a partial knowledge of them and their project goals. It can be really hazardous to seek a second opinion from someone who hasn't spent the time to learn more about you, your brief, your site, and what you're really wanting to achieve. Fixing a design and offering a second opinion actually requires a similar amount of knowledge and briefing to designing it in the first place. So, This is why when I do a design review or a Zoom consultation with a Home Method member as part of the additional services that I provide to them, there's actually an extensive questionnaire and a preparation time prior to our session. I get to review all of the things that drove their project decision making in the first place. Uh, Plus, I get to review the site, the local area, their family situation, et cetera, et cetera. And so then I can come to the review with a lot more understanding of how and why they've made the choices to get where they are. And that then enables, you know, much more effective feedback and review on the design overall. So if you are getting a second opinion, you need to take the time to bring that person completely up to speed with what you asked for in the first place, why you asked for it and what you're seeking to achieve overall. So let's just recap on those three mistakes that people make when they're seeking a second opinion. The first is that they seek their second opinion from the wrong place. The second is that their designer is super precious and won't take on views from others. And the third is that they seek a second opinion from someone who only has partial knowledge of their project, the site and the brief. Okay, now, can you actually audit your own design? Can you be your own second opinion if you like? Well, the answer is most certainly yes. It's actually been really interesting for me over the years of growing Undercover Architect, getting to know homeowners better, getting to see what they need and how to best support them. I've actually found that as I've improved and increased the education that I provide and the tools and resources, especially included inside Home Method, that less and less people need my my one-to-one input into the design itself. I do think that you can, with the right education and guidance, become the best ambassador for your future home and be really empowered to have confidence in the decisions that you're making and ultimately do such a better job with the people that you choose and and the people that you then work with. Now, I've seen time and time again just how amazing homeowners can be in the knowledge that they learn and what that then gives them in discernment and critical thinking about their project. And also, almost most importantly, I think, what happens when they get to know themselves really well in the process, not only in what they really need from their future home, but also in having really important self-awareness about how they operate, how they interact with others, where they have doubt and insecurity and how they handle specific situations. It's so fantastic to see how all of this education and awareness about home design and about themselves 
all feeds into their ability to navigate their project so much more confidently and effectively. So let's quickly wrap up with five tips or ways that you can audit your own design. Tip number one, review the design for how it suits your site's orientation. So This can be as simple as seeing whether there's a north point on the drawings that you've been presented. Time and time again, I see projects that have no north point on the drawings. And for for me, I always find that it translates that those designs actually don't suit the orientation of the site and that orientation hasn't been considered during the design process. If you need more help and information about designing for orientation, have a listen to season one of the podcast and season two will also be super helpful for you. This matters, okay? And working with someone who understands passive solar design is going to make your process so much more straightforward. It's going to make the home more functional and enjoyable to live in as well. It's also going to simplify achieving your required energy star rating when you need to as well. Tip number two is to ensure that there's furniture drawn into your floor plans. So this is a surefire way to see if your home is going to fit all the things that you want to have in it in a way that feels comfortable and well laid out. It will immediately flag problem areas. And when you also start to look at the furniture layout in association with how you can circulate through the home, you're going to be able to audit if there's clear movement pathways or if things feel like you're weaving and ducking to get around the home all the time. Do not wait until you've moved into your home to figure out where the furniture is going to go and all of your belongings are going to go. Just do it as part of the design process and get it done in the in the drawings that you're getting presented. Now, tip number three is to test the design at one-to-one. There are lots of ways to do this from spraying it out on the ground on your site, staking it out with builder's strings, right through to visiting a warehouse where your plan is projected onto the floor. You can also do one-to-one mock-ups of certain elements. You can even simply compare what you're designing to where you live now and how the dimensions are working. I've I've laughed a lot with many Home Method members once they finish their projects because they tell me that they're glad they're not going to be walking around with a tape measure in their bags anymore because they've carried a tape measure around for ages to have on hand each time they wanted to check the actual dimensions of something that they saw or used in order to help test and inform their design. So testing one-to-one like that with a tape measure with all of those other things that I mentioned, it's the simplest way to get a feel for how your design is going to really work once it's built. Now, tip number four is mentally rehearse your movement in the home. Many will struggle with how spaces are going to feel and function and just visualizing how that's going to work in their finished home. And it will mean that they doubt whether they're getting it right, whoever they're working with. So do something simple. Picture yourself coming home at the end of the day and the activities that you normally do. Look at your floor plan design, car keys, phone, bags, groceries, jackets, shoes, clothing, going to the bedroom, going to the kitchen. Who else is coming home with you? Where do they go and what do they do? There's going to be loads of routines that you have like this in your day. And so as you start to pay attention to your life now, you can then start to review those routines in your future home design at the floor plan stage and see how that floor plan design is going to support all of those routines happening seamlessly. Tip number five is to also review the views in through and beyond the home. Now, you might need to do this in a 3D model of your home that's either real or virtual. You could possibly also do it through simply in how you review the floor plan design. But if you can position yourself in your design and then audit the views that you're going to achieve by looking through the spaces within the home, as well as through the windows and doors to outside, check where connection needs to be improved or where privacy needs to be maintained or introduced. There are loads more ways that you can audit your design, but those are a quick five tips to help you get started. I've also got podcast episodes on checking your design and construction drawings, so I'll pop those in the resources because they're going to be super helpful for you as well. 
So back to my original question, do you actually need to get a second opinion on your design or perhaps some other challenge that you're having with your project? Well, only you can decide that for yourself. It is a case of weighing up where you're at and then also reviewing how far you still have to go. So based on where you're at, how much more money and more time are you going to be investing to get to the finished home that you're going to be living in and enjoying? And will that second opinion at this point help you to have greater certainty that you're moving in the best direction or course correct while you still can? Or better yet, will that second opinion opinion save you time, money and stress for the remainder of your project? If you're stumbling or you're even stuck and you know that you still have a long way to go and a lot more money to spend, then that second opinion when done right can definitely be a worthwhile investment to get you over a hurdle, create clarity and give you that momentum that you need to keep moving towards your goal. Never underestimate how worthwhile it is to get yourself educated and informed and put yourself in an environment where others are doing the same thing. At the end of the day, no one is going to care about your future home as much as you will. So arming yourself with the knowledge, the confidence and the support that you need to be a great ambassador for your future home is definitely a worthwhile investment of time, effort and money. And that's it for this episode. Now, remember, if you'd like a transcript of this episode, you can grab a free one. Uh, There's a download available by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 282. That's the numbers 282. And I've got the links, uh, podcasts, all of those kinds of things, plus some other helpful resources in there uh, that you can find about this topic. There's going to be lots there that will be helpful for you. And of course, if you'd like more structured help and guidance and to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey, and of course, how to create a great home that you love living in, then Home Method is definitely the place for you. It is a great place to access that impartial second opinion as you move along your project journey. Plus, you'll join a community of amazing and super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you. You can find out more about Home Method by heading to homemethod.com.au or to the Undercover Architect website. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.